today is going to be a little bit different. My partner Craig is um, out with out of voice, so he couldn't join us today. But he called in his fantastic brother Scott to be my co-interviewer, and so Scott and I will be interviewing Mike Matthews. Mike is one of the newest members of our family. He's married to Amy Price, who is the daughter of Barb and Doug, and we're super excited to talk to Mike and get to know him a little bit better. So we're glad you're joining us, and it'll be fun to hear from Scott there too. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi, Cammy and Scott. How are you guys? Good. So we had a little switcheroo. Uh, Usually it's Craig and I, but Scott is Craig's brother. And uh, Craig lost his voice. And so (laughs) he called in a a fantastic replacement. So (laughs) this is my first time doing it with Scott, but it's going to be really fun. I like that. I like that. I'm sorry I lost his voice. Just from singing or just from allergies or... It was from work, actually. He uh, he was in charge because all of the management team were gone from the shop this past week, and they work on uh, military Humvees doing com- civilian conversions and full armor plating. So yes, it's pretty um, fun. We just bought it. I didn't have a car for fifteen years, sixteen <laughs> years in New York, and I just yeah. it's got a car, so it's. It's been it's been a hot second, um, <laughs> but yeah, my hands are so. I mean, and I've been living in rentals for what seventeen years, and so I'm not ba- I'm not allowed to really fix anything in my house, and I don't have <laughs> appropriate tools, and my hands are so soft. They're just like it's just embarrassing. <laughs> like I don't, yeah, I've lost all of my cred really, as if I had any. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's still some credibility there. Amy wouldn't have married you if you didn't. Um, where did you grow up? And tell us about your childhood. Uh, I grew up in a town called Fremont, California, which is about 30 minutes east of San Francisco. Um, and then we moved to a town called Issaquah, Washington. Um, when I was a sophomore in high school, when my parents were both working at Adobe and it transferred to Washington. Um, uh, f- f- I'm trying to think of anything cool about Fremont is just known as like uh, the hometown of MC Hammer um, and he has a gate that says Hammer Time or did before he went bankrupt and moved uh, <laughs> this is Hammer Time on the gate that enters his home uh, and then Issaquah is known to be the headquarters of Costco and they have a big salmon festival every year so that's if you don't know the areas that's what they're known for Okay. So, Mike, I'll, can I ask a quick question? Yeah, of course. Um, what high school did you go to in Fremont? Uh, Mission San Jose High School. Okay. Yeah. Do you know? I don't know if you know the area. We it has. Uh... Well, oh. I actually grew up in Union City. Oh, nice. And my wife, born and raised in Fremont, went to Washington. So. Oh, how cool! Yeah, my brother, my older brother Tom, went to Washington to play basketball. They had a better, a way better basketball team, so he went and played. Um, uh, yeah, so we transferred from Mission San Jose to Washington. Um, so s- small world, but we can talk about that later. How's that's that? very cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and then let's see. The second question was, what was my childhood like? Yeah. Tell us about your family, your siblings, your. Um, I have two. I have two, three boys total. I'm the middle. So I have most of the issues. Little brother <laughs> is perfect. He plays the violin. He speaks Mandarin. He has three little beautiful girls who are well behaved, who probably already speak Mandarin. And they live in Texas. Um, my older brother is a mess, but I love him. And he's got four boys who are crazy. And they just moved from Washington State to uh, Meridian, Idaho, like recently, like last year. Uh, yeah, so they live there. My parents uh, moved from Washington. Now they live in uh, American Fork, Utah. They just moved there two years ago or two and a half years ago. They just turned in their mission papers. And so they'll probably hear in like four to five weeks from now where they're going, um, which is super exciting. So Matthew's side, we're pretty small. There's not, we, yeah, we're a pretty small family. Um, but as, as far as my childhood, like I, it's like a mix of like ET meets stranger things, like sans <laughs> aliens. I mean, it's just, it's everything about, it's just kind of, it's that when I watch those shows, I'm like, that's my childhood. So it, I grew up in Fremont. Like I said, it was like a cul-de-sac that had like a chain link net basketball hoop outside that was put up by this, my neighbor, his name was Mark. And Mart had this very large afro. He was like six foot seven. He played European basketball. And he had this loud, booming voice that terrified me. And his wife's name was Linda. And you could hear him from our house just go, Linda. And then the cul-de-sac with the basketball hoop. If you missed the hoop, there was a small fence, uh, a small wall. And if the basketball went over, it would go down a like a, 12 foot dirt path so it just rolled down in this dirt field and so it was like who's gonna go get it the smallest kid basically um awesome cul-de-sac tons of no pros but we had uh, at least three or four people play college basketball from the people that would normally play so it was a super competitive kind of basketball little neighborhood we were in and so and um you know i was short and chubby so i didn't do very hot but I could shoot with my left hand. That was big. So um, down the little dirt path, it leads you into just this amazing strip mall that had like movie rentals and pizza and tacos and a candy store and Street Fighter II arcade games. And so it's just like a kid's dream. And so I could ride my bike down the dirt path with my friends, go get like a day old pizza they were throwing out that they, they all knew our names and would give it to us, play Street Fighter II against my friends. And then we had this little kind of convenience store slash gas station called quick stop that had like the array of candy and Mr. Lee, who was this, I mean, he's at least 75 years old when I was there. Um, I had a running tab so I could just walk in, ask for like, I'm going to get some milk duds. And then he just put it on my tab. And oh, that's awesome. Before, before our family moved from California, I had about $22 on my tab that he had. And I didn't, I forgot to pay it. It was just a rush kind of moving and I just didn't think about it. And so actually I didn't think about it for about three or four years. And then all of a sudden I was like, Mr. Lee, did I ever pay him? Did I ever pay my tab? And I never did. And so was I with you, Amy? No, okay. So I went years and years later when I was like uh, already in my career, I was in California for work. And so I drove over to Fremont to just see the old neighborhood. And I stopped by and Mr. Lee wasn't there. Keep in mind, he's never not at work <laughs> yeah. he works all day long. And I was so sad because 
the gentleman that was working, he said, I think there is a Mr. Lee. I don't know if he's passed away. I don't know where he is. And so I've been on this hunt. But if he was 75 then, I mean, there's a good chance that Mr. Lee has passed. Yeah. And so I, I said, listen, I know this sounds weird. I grew up in this neighborhood. He had a $22, uh, I had a $20 tab that I need to, I have to pay you. I have to give you this money. He's like, I can't take money that's going to throw things off. You know, with, and right. I said, I have to do it. And I just put the $22 next to him and I just walked out and I said, that was it. And I'm like, okay, I'm square with Mr. Lee, wherever Mr. <laughs> Lee is. Shout out to Mr. Lee. I miss that guy. And he would yell my name out of love. He would just say, Mike, Mike. And then he would always tattle on me though. Like my mom would come in to get gas. He's like, Mike was here. Mike was here. He had lots of candy. And I'm like, Mr. Lee, don't tell my mom I came in for more candy. So... <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a tab. The snitching part wasn't a fan of that part, but I'll forgive him, Mr. Lee. Um, the good with the bad. The good with the bad. Um, that is a kid's dream, having a running tab for candy. Right? Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think our family probably kept that place in business. Um, so, uh, I mean, just some other things about our childhood. Like we, our house was just filled with friends and visitors constantly as I'm sure the prices are a social people as well. Um, some of the things, like we had a family of five, all five boys, they live with us while their house was being built. So it was just like a six months of just Super Mario Brothers and duck hunt, competition, yes. duck hunt competitions with, I mean, my brother. So there's eight boys in one pretty small house, like a three bedroom, <laughs> two bath, just playing Super Mario Brothers every day. It was like the best six months of my life. Um, my dad served as a singles ward uh, bishop, and so we just had a lot of really interesting, cool people coming through and telling us about their careers. My dad was very big on us, my mom and dad, very big on us learning about different career paths from being a veterinarian to he had a professional skateboard. I mean, it was just everything. And, um, and then we had actually, a, his name is Levi. He was a former uh, Tongan Crip gang member who his dad beat him up one night and he ended up living with us for a full year. Uh, oh, so, and this was during a period where he was being recruited heavily for college uh, scholarships for football. He was six foot four and just all muscle and shaved head on the side, knife marks over the eyes. And just, so I didn't have a lot of bullies growing up. <laughs> um, so <laughs> he, he made drop me off in this like $200 car that he had and just dropped me off at Mission San Jose High School. He went to Irvington High School and everyone knew like I was kind of Levi's you know, brother, pseudo brother, if you will. And so, um, yeah, not a lot of bowling went on. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we had, a, yeah. I mean, it was just, a, I just had a, a, such a fun social kind of upbringing. We had a trampoline that was right underneath the basketball hoops. We had dunk contests and I got stitches on my hand and my head from that. And I had another, uh, I broke my arm. I broke, shattered my elbow playing a one-on-one -on -one basketball game versus a guy named Jerome at my junior high and I had seven surgeries. So about two and a half years of just pure in and out of cast because of this injury. Oh my um, gosh. For the wow. record, I was up seven to four against Jerome in that game. <laughs> and it was at lunch while the school watched because he was saying he was the best basketball player. And I said, no, I am. And so uh, my crush, Amy Jabot, watched me go down, break my elbow. And so I could not cry. And so I didn't, but it was mostly because my body was in shock. <laughs> yeah. Well, look so, at that. Now your crush now is an Amy. You know what? Good point. Full circle. 
full That's circle, right. circle moment circle. right there. Yeah, Amy Jabot actually went to rehab. So it's, you know, it's good that I... <laughs> yeah. You married up. Yeah, she had some struggles <laughs> after school. But man, she was good at the time. And I'm sure she's very lovely today. That's right. But, yeah, she had some struggles. Um, shout out to Amy. Shout out to Amy and Mr. Lee. We would just keep this list going. Um, That's right. The people who got you here today. Exactly. So, yeah, that's a little of my upbringing. Oh, that's well, awesome. You grew up How in a old... good area, too, at, and a, at a good time. That's, I have fond memories of that time. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a beautiful area. It's such an exciting. You're, you're, clo- you're in Silicon Valley. Everyone's ex- we're, when I grew up, it was like companies that we are so familiar with now, like Adobe, were very smaller and they yeah. were growing exponentially and there was like a lot of collaboration between you know the big companies the big tech companies were all working together because it was kind of us versus the world and now they are so big it's very competitive amongst yeah. internally and uh, but at the time it was just this really hyper energy fun exciting time to be part of that community um what did your parents do for jobs? Uh, my, uh, they've worked in tech almost their entire lives. Um, my mom just retired from Microsoft after, I'll get this wrong, it's about 17 years, 18 years at Microsoft. Um, wow. So um, my dad has worked at several different tech companies. Adobe for them has always been their favorite job. Um, and my mom was always, before she started full-time work when I was in uh i think like fifth or sixth grade she had so many things going on she started a nonprofit called fame which was the acronym for fine arts music experience and it was because we had all these budget cuts in northern california and so she um we had the arts were cut uh counseling was cut school buses were actually cut so my mom started wow. this nonprofit, and so she would go school to school teaching about picasso and mozart and it was interactive and it was just this really cool thing. And um, and we had a friend of ours named Marilyn who was working at Adobe. And they were concerned because they had all these young tech nerds who didn't know how to kind of manage their time and manage the company. And so she had this kind of novel idea to bring in, uh, for lack of a better term, but just kind of housewives, like women that were very uh, driven, that... Uh, that just couldn't organize and work with these kind of younger tech nerds. And so they brought in, I don't know how many, but just several that they interviewed. And my mom uh, was came in and it was a very simple job at the time. And then she showed her stripes so fast, she moved into management uh, so quick. And not many of the others actually like stayed on very long. And so her career just launched. And my mom's career is a whole nother podcast, but her career has been <laughs> amazing. I mean, when she retired, it was a big deal. I mean, people from all over the world of people that she's managed sent, you know, videos and audio recordings of like the stories of how she's invested in them personally and professionally. And um, so uh, hard at the time when I was a sophomore in high school to move from Fremont to Issaquah. And so I was kind of mad at Adobe. Every time I use Illustrator or Photoshop, I think about that experience a little bit. Um, but yeah, so they would, yeah, they were working in just management and sales roles. Um, and uh, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about Issaquah, about your time there, finishing up school and then what? 
Um, when I was in this, I mean, I moved from, I got into a friend's car, uh, like the first week and he put on music and what I didn't know much about, which was like Led Zeppelin started playing. And I'm like, who is this? And I said, this is, how do you not know Led Zeppelin? And, uh, and then, you know, Hey Mike, we're going to go like water skiing this weekend. Do you want to come? It was like this whole new world of like, not even just classic rock and, uh, like hiking and outdoor sports and all my friends, it was just like, I don't know. It was video games, hip hop, basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden my life was like, I am in a different, this is a different world. Everyone was incredibly serious about college. And my friends in California were not serious about college whatsoever. And I, so the girls that I was interested in, my crushes were like all working on, you know, school <laughs> and i spent a i spent probably the first year that i moved to washington pretty mad at my mom and dad for moving us there <laughs> and they were very sensitive about that and now that i can look back on some amazing parenting they brought in the coolest youth leaders they, the, the coolest like adults to just kind of take me under their wing and do fun stuff with me and make sure i was okay because my parents knew that I wasn't going to listen to them at that moment, that period of my life. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, I met some amazing kids, like in this, my seminary class and a couple friends at school. So I spent a year pre-med, and that's when I got really behind. And I graduated with a GPA of like a 2.3, wasn't that 2.2? Like a 2.3 GPA at a high school. Wow. So. I mean, you didn't have to say wow right then, Cammy, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. yeah, so it was, it was pretty bad. I'm glad you graduated though. Yeah. I don't even good. really know how, but I, yeah, I somehow like snuck by. So I look at like others like Kate, like, and I'm like, who are getting like straight A's and I'm like, I can't, you care so much. I just didn't even, I didn't even know when I was supposed to take a test and you're already thinking about a test. That's a month away. Yeah. Um, so after a year, I found out, and the best advice I got from a family friend was when I was talking to him about my frustrations, he said, Mike, look, you know what's cool about this? Now you're going to have, you just doubled your friends. Now you have friends in one state, in two states. You have friends in California and you have friends in Washington. Like, how cool is that? And that might have been the only thing that an adult told me at the time that made me feel kind of hopeful and happy. Um, but a very, yeah, but, uh, you know, that first year I was like, uh, we had a big, huge van with tinted windows and at lunch, I didn't know anyone. And so I would go just eat lunch in the van by myself Aww. in the back. And I'm like, I don't. And then, of course, my older brother, who's two years older, was the star basketball and soccer player. And he like every everyone wanted to be friends with my older brother. Mm. And I'm like, and so the best, the, the positive part of that is. So all the really cute girls on like the varsity basketball and soccer team would come over to my house. And so I have like basically zero friends as a sophomore, <laughs> maybe one or two. And then my brother has like the coolest, most popular girls at our house that I can like that know me by name. And so I could walk down the hall with my kind of nerdy friends and like Sarah would yell out, hey, Mike, I'll see you guys. I'm just coming by your guys house later. And I'm like, thanks, Sarah. See <laughs> so it was this dichotomy of like my brother's world and my world were very different when we moved there. So 
Yeah, and, he, and my brother looks like Vanilla Ice. He just, at the time, just looked exactly like Vanilla Ice. And his nickname <laughs> is Inner his City Matthews, too. even though we we're from Fremont, which is not an inner city. Inner City Matthews. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, Scott, I think some of your siblings actually had a similar experience when your family moved from California yep. to Utah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think they've talked about how like they suddenly were very cool, but it was a very different experience. Yeah. After, so I was already on my mission, but um, Aaron had just graduated. Yeah, Aaron had graduated. So that put Alan as a junior starting a new school and Carrie as a sophomore. I think that's how it went. Or Alan was a senior and Carrie was a sophomore. And uh, Craig was excited to, I think he's mentioned that before in a podcast, but he was excited to be out of elementary school and moving to Utah ended up being back in elementary school. Yeah, because the way the years work out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Okay, so Mike, what happened after high school? Um, high school, I went to, I put in my papers. I had no options for college. Um, zero. Um, no one wanted me for, for sure. <laughs> um, say, we, we talked about the 2.3. Yeah. The 2.3, the one that Cammy laughed at earlier. That, right. Uh, that's the one. That's well, the mine one. wasn't much better. So. Okay. It's, it's the middle child. Good. It only motivates me as a middle child. Rejection. There you go. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, put in my mission papers. I went to Rochester, New York. Um, Ah, cool. On the mission, right so, on. Yeah, it covers like uh, Palmyra and Buffalo, Niagara Falls, Rochester area. So it's upstate. Um, Cold. And, uh, yeah. Freezing. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo had uh, the highest snowfall. The, one of the years I was there, it was like the highest snowfall they that uh, 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 the country had had uh, was in Buffalo area had the highest snowfall that particular year. And so we just spent two months just shoveling driveways for people oh, and. Man. Yeah, that's the strongest. My, I had some triceps. That was the first time I actually had workable and triceps. And some calluses. <laughs> you know what? That's I had calluses on my hands. My soft. Oh, and that was, and I should mention that too. I served in areas that were farmers, and they would shake my hand, and immediately, and I could feel the calluses on their hands. Yeah, they would immediately just say, "Like, boy, what is with you've never you never done a th- like a thing of labor in your life." Like they recognized. <laughs> I worked in silos many a times just for their own, just gratification, knowing that I was like getting some sort of hard labor, but yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget experience. that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So served a mission, uh, finished up. I love my mission. Uh, I came home and then um, um, I went to what's now UVU, but at the time it was UVSC, Utah Valley yep. State College. And um, I worked incredibly hard recorded every class listened to every lecture twice over while i was you know making lunch and uh went from my 2.3 gpa and all of a sudden i was killing it just with school and i had like this post-mission eternal perspective like i have to provide i have to do everything uh and i went in to see um actually one of my mom's dear friends growing up who worked in admissions paula and i said paula i got I got a year and a half under my belt on my associate's degree and she, um, uh, I have one more semester. Do I have, I have really good grades. Could I transfer to BYU? And she said, Mike, I got to tell you something. If you just do one more semester, you'll have your associates. 
And once you have your associates, uh, they won't look at your high school grades. Mm. Oh. And I said, after kissing Paula on the mouth, and <laughs> I just, that was like maybe the best day of my life. I'm like, and so I hesitate because I, I've told like seminary students this and like parents are like, Mike, can you ease up on the whole high school grades don't matter thing? And I'm like, got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, finished, finished my associates and then um, transferred to BYU and then finished and then a, deg- a degree at BYU in uh, marketing with an emphasis in advertising. And that's what I graduated in. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So can I, so have since you're in New York now, have you been up there to Rochester? Yeah, uh, many times for many different things. Uh, I served in callings mainly with youth since I've lived in New York in State Young Men's. And, um, and so we've taken the youth up there for youth conference many a times. Um, been up there for the Hillcomore pageant and, um, yeah, taken, I mean, a couple previous girlfriends, but we don't, we should probably cut that out. Um, but I mean, yes, I've only taken Amy to the Sacred Grove and Evie oh. Grandin bookstore and Palmyra. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Do, do people still remember you up there? I mean, it's, it's certainly faded now over the years, but there was one lady named I, Ta, uh, Tanya Class is her name. And she just think of uh, that, like the raspiest smoker voice. If you smoke for 45 years, uh, just the hardest voice with the roughest leather skin. And she um, and I became just best friends on the mission. And I called her sister class, which she hated. And I used to steal her cigarettes and put it in our our mission car. And um, (laughs) she, um, she, uh, so anytime I go up to Palmyra, I knew exactly where to find it. She'd be on her porch and she'd be smoking and there'd be kids running around like with basically just diapers and like they have like a dirt floor for their, um, their home. And, uh, and so I would just walk up and she'd just go, Elder Matthews. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's, she's, she was my, probably my favorite part of my mission. I spent, I was in her area for six months and I would drive by her house on the way to church and I would honk my horn every Sunday morning and she says she's wake up she'd turn over and she'd say to herself in her room she's like good morning Elder Matthews and she'd go back to sleep <laughs> and the final week I went to I went to their house I knew I was getting transferred I went into her home and I said uh sister class I'm getting transferred and um I just wanted to let you know like how much you mean to me and and we'll always you know keep in touch and all that good stuff and um, flash forward to that particular Sunday and I'm sitting in a correlation meeting before sacrament meeting and I hear, I just, I'm like, I smell, <laughs> I just, I could smell, it's a very small building and I could smell cigarette smoke and, um, and I'm like, ah, there's no way, there's no way. And all of a sudden someone comes bursting into the room and just says, Elder Matthews, you're not going to believe who's here. And I walk out and it's sister class with like her entire family, like 15 Aww. people. That's and fantastic. our, our branch was 30 people. So, um, the, maybe the most joy I felt is, uh, sitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just sitting in there like with this reeking of just cigarette smoke and sacrament meeting was the most joy. 
yeah. of the mission for sure. That's cool. That's really awesome. That is awesome. Did you circle back and see her after? Yeah, I would. Any any time I went up there, I'd go and see her. She didn't have a cell phone. She didn't have her landline was always off and on, and she would move. Uh, they would move homes pretty consistently, and so I think in the last five six years i've just kind of lost contact i've tried to find her and so it's gonna the next time i go up it's gonna take some investigating just to talk to neighbors and kind of track her down yeah um i honestly i hope she's still alive like her health was very very poor and when i knew her and you know that was quite a while ago now so i hope that she's still around and i hope i can find her but um yeah that would be amazing and if not one of her kids maybe yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That'd be really cool. How uh, how long have you been in New York now? Uh, seventeen years. Oh, so professional career? Um, yeah, I came out. I once I graduated, I applied to be in the BYU's summer New York City summer internship program in advertising, and I got rejected actually, <laughs> and so um, um a heaven sent mentor named Kevin Kelly, who was a 25 year veteran of the ad industry in New York, who was teaching at BYU at the time. And I was his teaching assistant. He was working with me to try and get me a spot at an, at an agency. And, uh, so I, I just got to the point of saying like, I got to go out. I'm just going to buy a, a flight on JetBlue, which JetBlue was kind of new and cheap yeah. flights. Yeah. And, uh, and I bought a plane ticket to go to New York and had like zero money. I had like 200 and something dollars. I was like, I just got to go figure this out with just a bunch of printed resumes. And I was leaving like the next week and um, I was walking up to campus to go grade papers or do whatever with Kevin. And he called me up and said, get to my office now. And then he said, you got an internship. And so I called the HR rep from this agency called Merkley and partners. Um, and they're in, uh, in Soho. And I got on the phone with her and I said, I'd, I'd love to work. Please. Yes. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, you, I'm, I have a flight next week to come out to New York. Do you want me to come interview? She's like, no, 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 cancel your, move your flight, cancel your flight, like come when you start work. And so, um, so yeah, so I came out as an, as an intern at an ad agency. I worked on Lipitor and Mercedes so I knew like everything about like 50 year old men and their health and desires. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a As cool like shot. a 20 something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. Dad, My friends are working you. on like Target and, you know, REI. And I'm like, well, I'm working on Lipitor. Guys. <laughs> um, so. oh, and Mercedes, right? You said yeah. Mercedes. Yeah. A lot of so cholesterol. cholesterol. <laughs> yep. So going on shoots for Lipitor, you know, some guy riding his bike in the woods um, <laughs> was, was what I did for a summer. That's awesome. Why New York? Why did you want to go there? I never, I mean, I've, I've, I've talked to so many people who were like, I, I always knew I, I wanted to live in New York or work in New York. And I never had that experience. I just had the that was the epicenter of my industry that I wanted to work in. And so there's no other place that I would go. Yeah. And I didn't have much of a, I mean, obviously upstate New York for my mission is incredibly different than New York city. And so, yeah. So I just, uh, it was when I got here 
everything fell into place. Um, I've always said this about New York. It's not the buildings or Broadway or restaurants that kind of keep you in New York. It's the people that New York draws. Like everyone is here for a reason. You know, they're here to maximize their talents. And to be around that was just invigorating. And I still feel that way about New York. And, um, and so that's what's kept me here, honestly. Yeah. That's, really that's cool. cool. So do you still work for the same ad company? Uh, no, company? no, I just, I did my internship. Um, and then from there, um, I was hired on at this company called Omnicom Group. And I ended up working at a, with a, a 72 year old, uh, like kind of tobacco chewing pinstripe suit wearing kind of madman. He was one of the last madmen that are around. Um, he was on the, the verge of retirement. I was his last employee. And so I worked with him and Omnicom owns like 260 agencies, like sports marketing, event marketing, public relations, advertising. And so they all, um, they report back to Omnicom. And so we would do this thing where they would acquire a company, like some digital marketing company in Sausalito, California. And me and his name is Norris. His name is Bob Norris, where he goes by Norris. He was pretty, infamous in the industry. Um, <laughs> he asked me if my, if I was Mormon in my job interview, which you can't do that. Right. And his comment was, uh, he put his feet up on his desk. He took a couple, a little skull out of his, his can and he put it in the front of his teeth. And he said, um, are you Mormon? And I said, well, I, I am. And he said, are you from Utah? And I said, well, no, I'm not, but I went to school in Utah. And he said, let me tell you something. I don't drink anymore. I don't chase women anymore, but I do have a salty mouth. Can you handle that? <laughs> and he didn't look at my resume. And that was my job interview, basically. Wow. <laughs> was less about do I, you know, do they want me and more of can I handle Him. this really salty madman? Yeah. And so I <laughs> uh, work with him for five and a half years. And we're very, very close to this day. But here I am, this kind of squeaky clean return missionary and uh i yeah it was the weirdest funniest relationship um that you could think of us traveling around the country together and him starting fires and me putting out fires was basically what i did (laughs) it sounds like you were exactly what he needed he uh you know sometimes you stereotype people and you um you don't, you just kind of put them into a box. And I did, I'm like, he's just a salty, you know, salty old man who's very smart about advertising and whatever. There's no way I would last five years with this guy unless I found the depth of how much he cared about Mm -hmm. things in his life. Um, That even the job interview, I'm like as inappropriate as it was in HR would have a field day with that one. (laughs) It was, uh, he was reading me he was reading my reactions and he could read people so, so well. And now he is this, uh, you know, he substitutes for like elementary schools out in Kentucky. He moved to his tobacco farm in Kentucky. And um, he, uh, yeah, he's taught me so much. And I I call him and actually wrote an article about him one day. Um, That's still online. You can even look it up. It's called uh, the imperfect mentor. And uh And it was, I've honestly, I thought theme in my life is I've had imperfect mentors kind of learning to do the opposite sometimes of people. 
Um, I love my older brother. He wasn't the best example for me growing up. And, you know, he would do things that would make my parents cry. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do that. I don't like seeing my mom cry. So instead of a, being cyclical, it would, I would try and do the opposite. But taking the good that they offer. And that was the same with Norris. I would take his, his goodness and the things that I don't agree with, I would just do the opposite. And um, so, yeah. Mike, it was in Forbes? Well done. Well, Cammy, you're not supposed to look it up right now. Oh, I did. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can see a picture. I think there's a picture still. I haven't seen that article in so long, but there's a picture of me and Norris. So you can see I'm not uh, over-embellishing his look and who he is. But, um, nope, that, that pinstripe suit, it's spot on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would totally wear that pinstripe suit. Uh, yeah, you He's a big Brooks Brothers fan. He loved the pinstripe from Brooks Brothers. That was I would rock that suit. Yeah. He would give me a gift card for Christmas. That was more money than I had in the bank account just to go. And I had, it had to be, a, it was a, it was a gift card for Brooks Brothers to go buy a suit <laughs> in his words. So I didn't look like a homeless person. And, uh, awesome. and I'm like, Norris, I will take your insults because I do want a new suit. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you have any of the suits still? Oh, no. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're gone. I, yeah, COVID added a couple extra pounds. I'm going to uh, blame COVID, not me. So, yeah. yeah. Just blame COVID. That's yeah, fair. it's on. It's, there's like a, like a good solid COVID 23, maybe a good 24, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Um, Nothing wrong with that. No, Amy still <laughs> married me. So That's right. That's yeah. Nice. Well, so that's speaking... a good lead in. Yes. How did you meet Amy? Oh, um, Amy was the young women's president of our ward. And um, I was teaching seminary and I was actually teaching her son, McKay, was in my class. And so um, so I knew who Amy was. Um, I'd see her like in the hallway and I'd always like say her full name, anyone that I have a lot of respect for. I just, I can't just say their first name. Like, hi, Amy. It's like, it's the full name. And um, so I, people would always like say really positive things about her. And I would see Kate and, you know, Kate, especially at that time was pretty shy. And so, um, so I didn't know them very well. And then, um, um, so when I was teaching, uh, when I was teaching seminary, Amy uh, reached out to me and said, hey, um, McKay is, I've gave it, I want him to stay off of his cell phone in seminary and in school for a week. And they made some sort of deal. Like if he did, I don't know if he got like a prize or something. I'm not sure how they were working that. But um, so can you just report and let me know if he's staying off of his phone in seminary? And if you've met McKay when he was in high school, like his phone was, right up in his face and it was mm-hmm. like it was you know he was there and it was and bless his heart like he has some social anxieties and so it, you know it's it, there's some need there as well and so um incredible addition and a blessing to have him in class um but yeah certainly digging into his phone most of the time and <laughs> i knew he was listening though and um so a week goes by and um amy sends me a reply text and she said hey how did mckay do this week and i I'm very diplomatic when it comes to the seminary students. I'm very defensive of them. 
and I'm not going to snitch like Mr. Lee used to. <laughs> Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Speaking of imperfect mentors, Mr. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> so I could tell he would walk into class, and for the first five to seven minutes or so, he would be off his phone, and I would just see him start to kind of like reach for his pocket, pull up his phone, and then it's over. And so I could tell he was trying. So as diplomatic, I said, hey, I could tell he was, you know, he was really trying to stay off. And then Amy replied via text and said, oh, that little (laughs) (laughs) And that's where I was introduced to a couple things. Number one, uh, Price has got a little bit of cuss, a little potty mouth. I didn't know that. Uh, And very sweet, like young women's president in my ward who everyone honors is throwing, and I'm not a cusser. And so I was like, first, and I immediately was, uh, we're going to be friends. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I, it was the, it was, now I can say it at the time I didn't say it, but that's the sexiest thing ever was for her to send <laughs> that text. No question. <laughs> it was awesome. So, um, yeah. So I love when people just, I put them in a box, like I said, and then they just like, you know, through throw just a full like loop on me like that is is incredible. So we became friends from there. Um, we became friendly, and I I mean she was get, just getting back in like dating, and so I was like helping her get prepared for the dating world and what it was looking like out there. Amy <laughs> was getting on Mutual, which is a dating app for LDS mm-hmm. folks, and so she hates social media and does not want to be especially doing that. And so I ran her mutual account also oh. in her bio. It said, my name is Mike and I'm a friend of Amy's. So, and I'm filtering out guys for her. She is amazing, but I'm filtering out guys. And so, um, so I was, I don't know how long that was going on, but it was probably the most depressing thing ever because the guys that reached out to her first off, I, and no offense to anyone that's lost their hair. Not one guy had hair. And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and that's okay. But I was just, there's a theme going on here. And, um, but just really weird guys. And I was like, I feel so bad for Amy and uh, honestly, any woman out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was pretty bad. And some guys that wouldn't even read the bio. They just saw a picture of a cute woman and were like starting to hit on her. And I'm like, no, 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 I would even tell them, oh, I'm my, my name is Mike. I'm a friend of Amy's and I'm running this account for her. It's like, oh, so what do you like to do? And I'm like, ah, they're still not getting it. No. Men don't listen. <laughs> I found that out. Men don't listen. <laughs> I love this social media bouncer. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, yeah, it was fun. And, and I, and I think there was a lot of events like that where I found out how much fun Amy was and how like game she was. Like who asked this guy in their ward to run their social media account? I'm like, she just didn't. Amy is all about adventure and that's mm-hmm. another example of it in a weird way. But um, <laughs> so we went to girls camp, uh, young women's camp, excuse me. And we were both there. I was there for just the day. Uh, we were out late at night doing like sidewalk chalk, writing like happy birthday for one of Jezebel for one of our young women. And we were having so much fun. She was telling me about a guy that she was like, had gone on like one date with and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no. And that was it. Like, it just kind of like, we went on a date and the rest was just kind of history. We just, it was this slower 
progression. I was, we were both very sensitive about people in the ward knowing we were dating. So it was kind of very much on the DL. We did not want someone to come up to like Kate, um, who is turning 12 soon to be like, Hey, I hear your mom and Mike are dating or something like that. Like it was just, we wanted her to be safe from that until, you know, we made sure that we were committed to each other and, um, and it was appropriate to tell her and all that. So Kate just thought I was a buddy and they were just always hanging out with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. Awesome. Friends first though. That's, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So for our wedding, we had little, if you know, Amy, she makes cookies for everybody. And so we had little cookie bags for those that came to our wedding and, um, on the front of it, it, it had in quotes, it said, um, her text and said, Oh, that little, um, so that was, that was given out to those that attended our wedding, which oh, again, that. sweet woman, highly inappropriate. Yeah. Well, that comes from, uh, her dad and her mom. Yeah. Did I, did I say that out loud? Yeah, that I've discovered. I know we sh- sometimes we sugarcoat family history, but I just want those that listen to this podcast to know about the prize family is it's just it's you're you're on just a deck with sailors <laughs> but they're really great and they all are amazing people now, i ran into <laughs> her brother eric uh last weekend actually so yeah talk yeah. a custom like a sailor sometimes yeah that's about that's about right yeah and bless them like bless his oh, yeah. brothers because they uh this, their sense of humor and inappropriateness. I mean, Amy grew up with that. And so she moves in to knowing my family and it all, it just, she was at home with my brothers yeah. and myself. So I'm like, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. So it, it all works. So thank you. Thank you. Price brothers. Okay, so then you were dating, and did you meet her parents? Did you ask her to marry you first? I mean, I know about the proposal, but we'll talk about that too. Um, but did you meet her parents? Um, we had, I think, just started dating, and Barb came out for. I love saying Barb and Doug. By the way, it's like my <laughs> favorite thing. It's just the most endearing, like Barb and Doug. Barb and um, Doug. I want to say with a country accent for some reason. Barb came out for a. <laughs> kind of a girl's trip to New York and we were just recently dating. And so we went to dinner. Um, and so that's when I first got to know, first got to know Barb. Yeah. So when did you meet Doug? Ooh, when I meet Dougie fresh, Dougie, Dougie. Um, <laughs> uh, when did I first meet Doug? I'm trying to remember. Um, it must've been in Utah. Yeah, I think I went to dinner in Utah at Tom's house and Doug was there. And I was like, this man has the best teeth and hair I've ever seen in my life. And <laughs> he, uh, he, yeah, and my dad has like silver hair. My dad has amazing hair. I'm like, Doug and my dad have like the best hair. Um, and I, um, I would watch how much he would laugh at the more inappropriate jokes from the brothers the more he would laugh and I'm like, Oh, that's why they've, they've gotten the green light from dad to laugh, to make jokes about these kinds of things. (laughs) Um, Amy doesn't do social media much at all, even though that's my, 
profession. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's worked out just fine for her. You, yeah. you take care of it. It's great. So I think I had posted for her because I'm like, let people know that you're, you're doing these really cool things. Like she does not let people know about her advancements and events going on. She just doesn't. She just can't. So I got on there <laughs> on her account to let people know. Yeah. So on Netflix, there's a show called Lenox Hill, which is the name of her hospital. And it follows several different healthcare workers, surgeons and others, just their daily lives. Um, and look up Lenox Hill and I forgot the director's name, but they, I think they did eight episodes about these healthcare workers. And then, the, and then COVID hit, they'd wrapped up like, right, like in Thanksgiving um, before COVID and then COVID hit and the director of the Netflix show, he just felt this yearning and he said it was like a spiritual experience that he needed to be back with his, his troops and I have to go back to the hospital. And so he got permission from his wife and his kids and he stayed in a hotel and he wore by himself, no one else. He held the camera, even though he's a director, he held the camera. He did all the interviews and all the work and in full PPE gear, oh. he went into some of the parts of the hospital and filmed um, at the height of COVID because he knew he had to, that's the way he could support. And he knew he needed a document. This was part of a world's history. And so the ninth episode is about his experience filming um, in Amy's hospital, which they couldn't show you a lot because they didn't have permission from families because no one could come in to see their loved ones. And so obviously they can't sign a consent form. So they, it's not necessarily graphic or things like that, but it, it, it follows a couple of stories and you see how quick COVID hit and hurt people's, uh, d dismantle people's health and um, autoimmune systems and everything just shut down. So um, anyway, so Amy is in, you'll see her for a, a blip <laughs> in the <laughs> beginning when before COVID, when they were wearing street clothes, well, work clothes, no masks or anything else. And then you'll see them in this conference room kind of towards the end in the ninth episode, I think. Um, and they're all wearing, you know, masks and they're all covered up. And so you can see how dramatically it's changed. So, yeah. 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 If you haven't watched it, I very highly recommend it. I was well, I will, fascinated. I'll be looking that up. Yes. <laughs> um, as we watched that show, I should mention, Amy had staff, when it launched, Amy had staff that reached out to her to say, Amy, listen, I know you're going to watch Lennox Hill. And I just want you to know. I was, I'm sorry, I was drinking coffee while I was walking in the hallway. And <laughs> there was a whole lot of like, oh, my boss is going to watch me. And if they weren't doing all the appropriate measures, like they were reaching out to Amy <laughs> to let her know. So she was on the phone with a lot of people like right after that show had launched. And so, but almost everyone you see on there are coworkers of Amy's. Like I've met a lot of those people including the people that they feature in the show, the surgeons. Those, these are people that Amy works with. Um, so, yeah, those yeah. are her people. That's, That's awesome. really cool. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that, too. Yeah. Um, I know that you're right, Amy doesn't. So thanks for doing that. No, I, here, should I, can I just share that, Amy? Amy has, she just, uh, she just got hired. She got a new job <gasps> last week. Yay, what? tell us more. Yeah, she's going to be working at um, Northwell is the parent company and they own at like 32 or 23, 32, some 30 some hospitals around mostly New York. And uh, 
And one of their hospitals is called Phelps and it's in Sleepy Hollow, New York. And it's about a 45 minute drive directly north of the city. And so she was just hired as the um, chief nursing officer, the CNO for the hospital. So she's going to be running the ship. That's Sweet. awesome. Yeah. So she starts at the end of the month. In Sleepy Hollow. So Sleepy will Hollow, Hollow train be around? That's right. That's the Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. It's a gorgeous area. So, yeah. So is that why you bought the car or? No, that we bought. Yeah, we bought the car before. We just wanted to take weekend trips out to. D.C. D.C. and (laughs) D.C. Skip seeing Cammy while we're there. Um, Just come due west. Come to Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. We love having a car. We park on the street and just, we take out, we go on weekend trips all the time, whether it's Boston or Philadelphia and go on a cheesesteak crawl in Philly and, oh, you know, all that good Mike. stuff. Talking food, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good option. Yeah. And I just want the podcast price to know that Cammy has lived in DC. How many years, Cammy? 12, 12, 12 years. And she has not come to see us in New York. So mm-hmm. I actually, I've never met Cammy. And I've lived here for 17 years. So given I, you know, not all that time I've known Amy, but still, that's, <laughs> I'm just putting Cammy on still blast no in front of all. The- <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> don't worry. She is the closest. It's true. Actually, I don't think that's true. Um, I think Eric is Eric Bjorn is closer because oh, they are in New right. Jersey. And there, I think that's, that's right. a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just across the river. That's right. Oh, but he, has he come, Amy, though? Oh, yeah, he's come. <gasps> That's the problem. Stop. Yeah, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. Well, my wife wants to take another trip out that way, so that would be fun. Come. Anytime. Always any of the family that ever wants to come to New York, let us know early on, especially... I have so many Google spreadsheets of, I have ones for those that are first time New Yorkers on things they should see and kind of a good week, five day to seven day kind of trip. I have kind of an intermediate spreadsheet for those that have seen the Statue of Liberty and done the Times Square. I have one that's more of like the, you know, lesser parts scene of New York. Um, So we'll plan. I love, love, love planning out a trip to New York. I, I want people to have, a fun and enjoyable experience in the city. So always feel free to reach out to us. Okay. We will make that happen. For sure. And what neighborhood do you guys live in? Uh, The Upper West Side. Okay. So if you don't know, Manhattan is just like the west side of where Central Park is. Yeah. Uh, Some of the things that uh, we're close, we're semi-close to like the Columbia University, um, the Seinfeld Diner, uh, where they film the outside of the Seinfeld Diner. Um, Yeah. We're close to Lincoln Square. We're very close to like like where the Manhattan Temple. Okay, that's a better reference. Manhattan Temple is on uh, like 65th Street, and we're on 90th Street. And oh. so, 20 blocks is one mile in New York, so we're not too far from the temple. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. So, so how how big is the ward boundaries then? If I feel mind me asking. No, you're okay. Uh, just the island of Manhattan is the New York, New York steak, which makes zero sense because they have a Brooklyn and a Queen steak. And, and, uh, but we're called the New York, New York steak, which they still haven't fixed. And I bring it up all the time. Um, <laughs> which, 
how like it's fine for us but if you live in brooklyn what wouldn't you be like why is why are they called all the boroughs anyway so we're working on that um um so we have uh gosh i think it's changed over covid i think we have 13 units um and uh five church buildings in manhattan itself so one in heart Lincoln Square, where we go, uh, Union Square, which is downtown, the Upper East Side, um, and then uh, Harlem, and then Inwood, which is kind of the most northern tip of, of Manhattan. Yeah, we have one, uh, one Chinese uh, ward, uh, one deaf branch, uh, three Spanish wards, two or three Spanish wards, and then the rest are family wards. Wow. That's so impressive. no young single adult words? They, well, they're actually technically a new stake. We split okay. two years ago, three years ago. We, they became their own stake. Um, so we have, sorry, COVID has changed so many boundaries and things. So that's oh, why I'm yeah. a little behind. But I think we have four singles wards in Manhattan. Whoa. Uh, Lincoln Square is the biggest one, which meets in our building. So we're at 9 a.m. They're at 10.30 a.m. So they come in and. You can feel the the noise in the hallways. <laughs> yeah, the energy. Yeah, the energy. Those single people. What do they know? Yeah. <laughs> I want to jump to what is really important to you. Uh, gosh, I think what's really important to me is uh, building communities. Like building community is like it's what I do for work. Is build communities on social platforms. It's what I want to do with like the youth in our stake. It's what I want to do in my apartment complex, like I, like where I've lived, you know, we have like Halloween door decorating competitions and um, we take care of each other, especially during uh, COVID looking after each other, especially that we had some elderly, elderly folks in our building. Yeah, I would say that it's just, it's, it's building community, like a healthy community of people. And so whether it's ward, whether it's uh, apartment complex, whether it's the neighborhood, or just the friends and family that I have around me. Like I, I want a supportive community. And usually that comes through action and activity and service. And, and so I love when we can kind of lock arms and do things like that. But if I don't have a community that I'm a part of, or at least helping to develop, then I feel a little amiss. I can feel it. I can always feel it when I'm like, I'm not building community right now. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, the church is nice that way. Like when you move somewhere, you're like, okay, I, I can feel like I already have a community a little bit. And, and then, yeah, like you're right, like apartment buildings. When we first moved here, we were in a great apartment building that um, had a lot of community feel. And it was so nice. Yeah. I, you know, in New York, we have like a, we turn over, like, for instance, our ward turns over 50% every year about 40 to 50% every year because of just so much people, obviously New York is expensive and all those things. And so it's hard to have constants. It's hard to build a community when you have so much Mm. bucks. And so um, that I love, I love thriving in that. And me just being in one place for 17 years, it's a little easier since people know I'm not going anywhere. And so they can, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully invest in me and vice versa. And you Um, can be counted on. Yeah. And, but I, I think that, I think if every it's kind of if you think about like home and visiting teaching, which is now changed and evolved, I think cities like New York and other cities, not just New York, 
I think if every LDS member um, just took care of the people in their apartment complex, I think that's godlike. I think yeah. that's that would be that would help so many things instead of just kind of looking internally. And that's when we have all these new individuals and couples and families moved to New York. And New York is a little scary. It's intimidating at times. And so you kind of default to what you know and feel comfortable with. And so that could be just the women in perhaps like your Relief Society or Elder Squarm or whatever else it is. And so then you can say you had the New York experience two, three years from now, but you actually have only known people from out West mostly, and you haven't really been part of the city. And I think that's a disservice to yourself and also to the city and the church too. Like, why are we, we're supposed to build, build a community that you live in, but not just with where you feel the most comfortable and meeting your neighbors in an apartment complex that you might speak a different language of or different age and life stage is, can be tricky, but I'm like, that's why not? <laughs> that's the bread and butter of life. Like why not be invested in their lives and then in yours? But, um, so. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I have similar feelings about like DC is different than New York. Um, it seems like in New York, everyone wants to make it work there. Mm -hmm. Um, in DC, a lot of people come here with a a leave date. They're like, I'm here for five years. I'm here for three years or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like they kind of have a, a next plan. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times that means they don't, they don't fully experience the city. Like they're not really rooted there. And, um, and a lot of times the people who I meet who are like, I hate DC, like after further investigating, they don't actually know DC. Like they don't spend time in the city with people um, and their neighbors. And uh, so. Yeah, we have, we'll have, whenever we have like a fast and testimony meeting in church, we, I mean, today we probably had 60% were visitors in our ward. And we always yeah. like raise their hand in the beginning if they're visiting. And um, at times when we have fast and testimony, a visitor will get up and say, it's so nice to be here in church and to feel light and the spirit and in that the darkness that is outside. And mm-hmm. I see the New Yorkers in the ward just want to go and I don't want to say destroy that person, <laughs> but re- like just you're talking about our neighbors, our city that we love. Yeah. And yeah. I've always thought that like that same person that says that, which we've, we're so used to that it doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, that same person could have served in one of the most perhaps poverty stricken areas of the world or hardest places in the world on their mission. And they came back saying, I loved, loved my mission. I love the people. I love the area, even though it was rough and tumble. And yeah. so what is it about New York when you're on vacation for five days and you don't see light, you don't see spirit in the city that we all, we do see. Um, yeah. You're just, it's, you're coming at it in a different lens. And if you don't understand something, we just tend to kind of attack it somehow. But having said that, I'm very sensitive to the fact that like, if you go anywhere in Manhattan and you look inside a McDonald's, you're going to see a lot of tourists there. Yeah. And when you're in an area that you feel a little insecure and kind of like looking around at the scarier city, you default to what is familiar with familiar to you. And that's a McDonald's getting a meal that, you know, the price of and the meal, you know, it's going to taste like 
And instead of exploring a new restaurant in New York, you're going to go there. And that's understandable. But sometimes, and so I've taken that in strides when I, uh, if I travel anywhere in the world, is if I don't understand it or I'm not quite jiving with a city or a country, it's what is it about me that I'm not quite getting about them? And how can I find that? Because people obviously are living in an area and they love it. And so there's something that I'm missing that I need to work on. So do you have a list of those restaurants? So when I somebody comes, <laughs> that part of your, uh, we do. Your yeah. Good. I, I love when people come and they've done their homework. Uh, we have lists, but certainly when the people have done their homework and say, I've watched these movies and I've seen these reality shows and I've watched and I've eaten at these restaurants or heard of this. Here's my list of things that I really want to go see. Um, you know, it's, it's so much fun for us to say, okay, we're going to take you to all the locations where they filmed Elf and Home Alone 2. And, <laughs> and the rest and Cupcake Wars will take you to New Jersey for that. And then, uh, you know, that's, it's really fun to, when people have, I'm dying to see these things, it makes you feel prideful in a good way about your city. Yeah. Like they're so excited to come to our city instead of like, how can you city entertain us? What should we do? Mm. Yeah. So I give when my nephews turn, my nephew, nephews and nieces turn 10, the, the gift, if you will, from Uncle Mikey is to come to New York by themselves. Oh. So I give them, I send them uh, printouts in the mail and it's uh, quiz questions. So they have to go through and they have to kind of earn the right. Work. That's the, the prize by passing these quizzes. And so it has questions on the history of New York and writing in all the boroughs so they can, they know the geography, um, you know, I, food items that were invented here. It was, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, other trivia questions. And they have to watch like certain movies and look out for scenes um, in New York. And so we'll go to the, those locations as well. And so they take a little, their mom will take a selfie with, or a selfie with them holding up their sheet and send it to me. And then once they pass, then, you know, their quizzes, they, they come out to New York. And so it means more now that yeah. they, they're excited to see those things in particular. Oh, that's the coolest. Uncle Mike sounds like a fun guy. Right? <laughs> well, New York, you know, every, the, I think the nieces and nephews look at you a little closer when, just because you live in New York, because New York is really cool at yeah. their age. And they've seen, think about the number of movies and television shows that take place in New York. So when they see that, they're like, my uncle Mikey lives there. And so you, I'm, you can be not cool, but New York is cool enough that they kind of look at you a little differently sometimes. <laughs> um, but I think that's way, it's waning off now that it's been so many years. Their whole lives I've lived here now, but um, still, it's, uh, yeah, it's fun to have them out here. And their concerns that they have as a normal 10-year-old quickly go away. And they're... Uh, intimidated by the New York and all of a sudden they're like Uncle Mikey tell me what to do it's a little scary here what do I do and then they mm -hmm. leave not wanting to leave New York for sure that's so cool that's fantastic yeah and you, as you know Cami in DC it's if they have an interest in something there's someone yeah. that you know that's at the top of their game in that industry that you can introduce them to to shadow or talk to yep. so an animator at Pixar a, a professional ballerina at American Ballet Theater or whatever else it is it's like if you if you want to achieve a particular career, there's usually someone here in New York that you can find and introduce them to and just say, here they got to where you want to be. 
and they can tell you their steps on how they got there and advice they have for you and um, take advantage of that. So people are always gracious with their time. Yeah. I'm a sports guy. So I, I was going to ask Mike Mets or Yankees. I am a, a very loyal uh, Seattle fan, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, so when okay. I moved there, Jordan was playing, Jordan was playing uh, this, uh, the Seattle Supersonics were playing the Bulls and uh, in the finals. And mm-hmm. uh, the Mariners were hot. That's when they were at their peak with Ken Griffey and everyone else and Jay Buhner. Still um, in the kingdom, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, the Seahawks were horrible. Um, so no one never paid attention to the Seahawks, and that's certainly changed since. But, uh, yeah, those are my teams. I'm still uh, – if I will go to a Knicks game and I'll proudly wear – try not to be obnoxious about it, but I'll wear a Seattle Supersonics green jacket. And I only get, like, positive – because we're, like, not even a team anymore that exists. And so I'll get a lot of positive thumbs up and those kinds of things. But wearing a, wearing a Sonics shirt, you know, running around – running the loop in Central Park, I'll always have – at least one person who's like, hey, Sean Kemp, Detlef Shrimp. Yeah. They just get excited. <laughs> and I do have a friend, I do a friend that works for the NBA, and he said that they are top on the list of, to get a team again. So it's, there you go. It okay. won't be a new team. It will be a team that would move to Seattle, and they have the facility now to house them, and it can all work. So it's not going to be soon, but someday, he says, they are next on the list. So would they Ooh. share with the Kraken? <laughs> like the facility yep, yep they would i just yep. love the name still and uh oh yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yep that was it that was the problem they had this the second at the time the second smallest stadium basketball or i'm sorry basketball arena and then um and we had just built seahawks stadium and the mariners got their cool safeco which had the retractable yep. roof and then it was mm. just um howard schultz who former ceo of starbucks said he'd never move them and now we had a big debacle. So the taxpayers didn't want to pay for the stadium after all that, and um, and they they went off and moved to Oklahoma City. And now I'm full of rage on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well. And just so happens they got three future, probably Hall, Hall of Famers. Famers. Yep. Um, that came on to play for Oklahoma City, and they did very well. So who knows what could have been? But shout out to Sean Kemp. That's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always had problems with Detlef Shrimp. Just saying. But yeah, I always had problems with Detlef. Why was that? He he just had that attitude that when he was playing some of my teams, he was. I don't know. Yeah, he was stone faced. He, he was he was a bruiser. Yeah, he was he was a brutal brutal guy, and I respect him for that. Yeah, but it was always on the bad end for my team. Yeah, and this is where I mean New York comes into play. When the Mariners were the hottest team in baseball, they had they had 116 wins in one season, and it was an MLB record at the time. I don't know if that's been beat since. And then we played the Yankees in the first round, and the Yankees slaughtered us. And so I'm watching a game in Seattle, and I hear these Yankees fans chanting "overrated." to my marriage, <laughs> a small market team and this global phenomenon, the most yep. expensive franchise in the world uh, is chanting overrated to my Mariners. And that's where my kind of hatred of New York sports came okay. into play <laughs> and uh, which everyone's experienced. Yep. Um, 
<laughs> I've since lightened up. I do like the Mets. I love going to a Knicks game. Anything in Madison Square Garden is fun. Even if the Knicks okay. lose, it's still fun. Yeah. But I, I still love the Mets myself. over the Yankees anyway, but that's my personal opinion. <laughs> uh, the Yankees fans and sports fans in New York, they demand perfection and especially the Yankees. So they'll yeah. boo their own players. And that was hard for me to understand. <clears throat> My old boss Norris would talk about this a lot. And it's like they, you are part of the, you're wearing the pinstripes. You have to perform. And so that's the attitude. They demand yeah. perfection. So when you're great, when you're Jeter, you're beloved. When you're not, they're not going to, oh, maybe next year, you know, slap you on the back. It's just, you got to, you got to perform. Yeah. And that's the expectation. And um, so people know when they're coming to this town, that's, that's that's what fans want of you. You got to be willing to do it. Put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not not even like they're fair weather fans. They're just very demanding. Absolutely. Yeah. They'll always be there. They'll always show up in the stadium. But um, it could be cheers. It could be booze. Yep. <laughs> they'll they'll be right there to be. I've never heard people so passionate talking about sports as New York for sure. I bet. It's good, though. It's unifying. Mm-hmm. So you talked about, Mike, you talked about traveling a little bit. You went to Austria, and then you kind of brought it up a little bit more. Where where have been your favorite places you've traveled? Ooh, um, I'm in love with Tokyo. I think Japan is mm. in the, it's a beautiful country. And I honestly can see Kate going there to for school or to study in any way or at least study abroad. I see her, the culture itself. And uh, Japan is the antithesis of New York in so many ways. <laughs> it's a large city and very similar. Um, has the, oh, you have Fortune 500 companies. Well, we have Fortune 500 companies. So we have these like similarities and kind of pride, but then there's also this like, you can't find a trash can. You don't eat while you walk. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is very clean and orderly. Mm-hmm. And obviously New York is not. So um, I absolutely love uh Japan. Um, my uncle worked for the FBI and he was actually stationed in Thailand for several years. They FBI, even though it's obviously a federal job, they have FBI agents in different parts of the world for extradition, extradition and all that. So he, we went out there, my best friend and I, and spent eight days and it was just, he set us up with the perfect itinerary and underground Thai boxing and long tail boats into some small towns that, you know, uh, just had a, like just making hanging out with like locals and um yeah um i'm trying to think what where else has been where else have i been oh but i will say this where my home away from home is italy no question oh yeah Mm. going to naples uh amy and i went together to italy we went for actually i used to airbnb my apartment and i had a second bedroom and feta was her name who was a um uh, stayed with me for quite a while uh, she got married in in Italy, and so we went out for the wedding. And the culture of of Italy was the most similar to New York that I've seen. The driving was the same. The <laughs> outspoken ways and speaking your <laughs> mind, and the love of food. And um, so I spent weeks and weeks studying uh, the best restaurants, the best pizzerias. Uh, um, we took a we took class making pizza together with the chef and um that's been amy and i's thing is anywhere we've gone in the world uh we'll take a class 
usually with like Airbnb experiences, actually, they have really good classes on there. We'll take a class and learn how to make a local dish and then bring that back to New York and then have friends over. And so we have a little bit of a menu going on of different things that we've learned in each country that we've been together. And then, of course, even before we were dating. But um, so, yeah, so we have a cool little pizza oven and we'll make homemade pizza for people uh, that we learned and we'll make. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Port oh, geez. Yeah. And then Portugal. Gosh, Portugal's amazing. Sorry, this is so. I'm, I don't know. Whoever's listening to this, if this is interesting, I that's amazing because I sound like I'm boring myself right now. But um, yeah, we just went to Portugal on a trip. Um, where else have we been? I mean, I don't even know. Gosh, we're yeah. Uh, we Turks and Caicos. We just went to Turks and Caicos too. And yeah, Amy and I love. Uh, we love love traveling together. Like absolutely love traveling. And having Kate is a blast too. She's such a great mm -hmm. travel buddy. So, um, fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And are you like the detailed to the last minute plan it out or are you a little bit more free form with your traveling? Um, so I like to do, I do like my Google sheets. I love my Google sheets mm -hmm. and I love organizing things. And the reason why I do love Amy is I do love getting caught up in the culture and area that we're living in. So meeting someone that's local and them saying, we have an underground Thai boxing match going on tonight is where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And in Japan, businessmen that are leaving work and it's one in the morning and they want to go to a karaoke bar and they want you to come with them is where I want to be. Um, so when it's the standard... I mean, you can imagine, you know, living in New York and I, I'm surrounded by tourists constantly who tend to go to the same exact places. And then you look at that and you're like, those are great places, but you actually are missing some other really cool stuff that only uh, someone that lives in the area would kind of know. You know, that's my I, I want to remember that when I travel so that mm -hmm. we can have a little more of an outside experience of what where the tourists generally are. So and the beautiful thing about Amy is she is down. <laughs> She's down that's to awesome. do that. And so, and Amy is adventure. She is to it. I don't know how she's been so successful in her life, honestly, because if I said, Amy, let's go to Italy tomorrow again, she'd be like, okay. And then my <laughs> second question is, but don't you have to work? Oh, right. I, yeah. I <laughs> I'm in charge. Somebody will cover. Yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe with a new role, she can just check out and say I was at yeah. a conference. Yeah, it's right. Not me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just COVID protocol. Take a laptop. Yeah. There you go. Well, is there anything else that you want the Price family to know? I hope that any of the Price family that's sitting there saying, who is this guy? Why is he on here? Why aren't we hearing about an uncle or someone else? Um, I apologize. <laughs> um, this is not my idea, but I am so, I'm being supportive. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there was something that was said that wasn't too boring, or at least there was some application or something in, of interest. But um, I would just say everyone is welcome to come to New York. Um, thank you for everyone's influence at different degrees of uh, of what you've done for Amy. And I mean, she's I was a bachelor for a very long time, you know, close to forty, almost forty years, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and so I've dated a lot of different people before her and nothing that even got remotely as serious got with Amy. And 
when I met her, it was just like, that's who I want to be with. So everything about her is truly who I fell in love with. And so Amy is her own independent person, fiercely independent person. But I appreciate everyone in the Price family who is kind to her and supportive of her and also has just been a part of raising her in many ways too because you raised and you are supporting the woman that I love. And so for that, I'm always indebted to the Price family for all of those, for that. So thank you, Price family. We appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. We look forward to interviewing all of you. And as Grandma Price would say, see you in the morning. I have yeah. a man crush. We went to Portugal with Jim and Inger. Um, and I have a man crush on Jim. He's uncomfortable with hugs from men. <laughs> or women, for that matter. And he is just a just a teddy bear. And I could not help but hug him. When Doug makes a joke or he's laughing at someone else, my favorite thing is you hear his voice. It's very loud, booming voice. And he has that huge smile. But his whole body shakes, like his yep. belly <laughs> shakes while he laughs. And so it just, it's magnetic. You're like, I want to make him laugh just to see his whole body move. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Inger calls Doug Dougie Fresh. And so that's where, and I, Dougie there's a rapper. Fresh. I yes. called Dougie Fresh. Yes. So that's yep. where, yes. I can't help but call him that every time. It's either Barb and Doug together or it's Dougie Fresh. I can't call him. Just Doug. She did, uh, Amy went to Paris on a trip with Inger and Tristan, right? And they, oh, this yeah. is when we were like, we weren't dating. We were, just we were just friends. And Amy was, had just told me that she was getting out of dating again. And so I, I made envelopes, I wrote little letters and, uh, and put them in these envelopes. And so they were sealed. And so Amy couldn't read them. And I gave it to Inger and Shurston. And basically the notes would say something like, my name is, you, you were given this, my name is Amy. Uh, my friends are making me do this. Um, I'm recently divorced, um, and I just would like to hang out with a hot uh, Frenchman uh, <laughs> to come over and just give me a hug and talk to me. You know, I didn't hear a cute story about Mike. He showed up at Grandma's funeral. <gasps> Wait. What? We had actually just broken up, but um, nobody really knew that we had just broken up. When grandma died, like the day she died, Mike broke up with me. So that earlier that day. Are you still recording that one? Because that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was at the funeral and he walked in the back. He flew out for the funeral to be like supportive and kind and yeah. Aww. So he got to meet some people actually there. I don't know if you remember, that was a while ago. Oh man. I kind of saw the big huge <laughs> people and that's when he wanted back in he's like amy yeah, i made a huge mistake yeah. <laughs> these people Literally are amazing huge, yeah, huge. <laughs> huge mistake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally what did it so thank you all <laughs>